Welcome to The Truth in His Heart. I am your host, Rob Lee. Thanks for listening and being a part of this uh, continuing conversation on uh, arts and culture. Today, I have the privilege of uh, being in conversation with the Afro-Latina artist from New York City who focuses on acrylic painting. Uh, this artist creates large works of contemporary pop art paintings that play on 90s pop culture and urban NYC culture, New York City, for those who are undipped, along with paintings and mixed media combining pop uh, culture references and spirituality. Please welcome Ashley Mia. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I almost had to, you're welcome. I almost had to give you your, your actual real title, Lili La Cubana. So with that, um, I want to start off with um, a few, a few quick things just to kind of like, you know, you want to start the conversation. You don't want to go off in these really hard questions and the, the deep thinking questions. I like to go with the general sort of, before we get too deep, can you share the uh, the Ashley uh, Mia story? What is the story? Uh, How did you get started? Um, what was your first experience in art and things of that nature? So if you will. Yeah, sure. Um, so I am from the Lower East Side in New York, um, which is a now very gentrified area in Lower Manhattan. Um, but it was very urban community before that. And um, growing up, I was just into art and I ended up, um, I was, I attended zone schools um, growing up. So um, anyone from an urban background knows what that means. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, but um, New York offers, um, and most major cities have like specialized high schools. So um, I don't know if you know of like the famed school, LaGuardia Arts. I actually um, expressed interest to like my art teacher. We, I was lucky enough to have an art program in junior high school, um, which is unfortunate to say I was lucky enough, but, um, I, I expressed interest about, um, art and she actually encouraged me to take the, the specialized high school exam and audition to get in. And, um, LaGuardia actually really shaped my interest in art and developed my interest in art and my skill. Um, and from there, like after uh, high school for college, initially I enrolled um, in environmental engineering at Philadelphia University. Nice. I um, science wasn't my passion. <laughs> science wasn't my passion, so I, I went back into studying art, and here I, I just been pursuing it ever since. So here I am. Well, thank you. So I, I I like when people talk about creativity and imagination. What sorts of things um, help fuel your imagination? So for me, a lot of my imagination comes from experience. I'm very nostalgic, especially um, creatives. I feel like from places that are now gentrified, um, nostalgia is is really something special to our urban communities because we are seeking a familiarity. Sometimes things feel so far away um, to the life that I currently have built for myself compared to my upbringing and my surroundings and my culture. And so um, you see things that um, disappear and change over time. And so you hold on to certain memories. So a lot of my imagination um, is based on experience and culture. 100%. I, I totally agree with that. And I think in doing things like this, um, where we kind of control what's of interest, right? Where oh, I'm going to do this podcast and I'm going to talk to people that I find are interesting. 
it's a moment in time and it's, you know, I could talk to you six months from now and it can be a very completely different conversation. There are certain things that are baked in that are from lived experience. You are who you are, but you know, it's like, remember when we talked about this and we talked about this nineties cards, we talked about Rocco's modern life for like 20 minutes, you know, it's, (laughs) it's one of those things, but I think it's important to be able to capture that. And this is the, the medium in which I choose to capture it because those stories can disappear. And then you're like, remember that thing? And I don't remember it because there's no documentation of it. There is no ar- archive of it, if you will. Yeah, I totally agree. And I love podcasts for that reason too. Like it's it's a great way to just like relive a moment in a sense, or just like listen in or be a part of a conversation even. Like it's it's a really cool thing. Yeah, um, I, I get to geek out on occasion. I recorded one last night. Uh, I do a movie review podcast outside of this. And I have a buddy who's a huge uh, Fifth Element fan, that, that movie from the 90s. And he and I talked about an hour about, we, we reviewed it. We sat there for an hour at the radio station, though, at the uh, college radio station here. And I was like, this is where I'm at now. I'm able to do this in radio stations. And this was this goofy idea. And I'm talking about a 25-year-old movie that I saw when I was like 12. I was like, mm-hmm. this is what I'm able to do, but being able to really get dipped into that conversation. And I don't know who's talking about the fifth element. I don't know who's, who's having that kind of conversation now. So it was really cool to do that. Yeah, for sure. So let's let's talk about culture candy. Let's talk about um HeartCon. Yeah, uh, let, let, let's let's talk about a few few of these things. Um, what was the the thinking that led to their creation? And um, ultimately, as a creator and as a person in this sort of role, taking on like these 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 interests, what do you want to offer the community? So um, I'll start with the development and the idea. Sure. So um, I want to say in 2019, I was working at the Brooklyn DA's office with a friend, Zalika, and um, I was in my thesis, finishing my BFA. And because I I was one of those people that like worked and then went to school part time. So I just took my time with my degree, especially because it's in art and it's something I already practiced. Um, So I didn't feel urgency in that um, at the time. But um, I was talking to my friend Zalika at work and Zalika is also an artist and um, neither of us felt fulfilled in the legal field, especially working for uh, the prosecution side of the justice system with everything that was going on at the time and that still currently goes on. Um, So we both felt that we needed to leave. And at the same time, um, the professor I had for my thesis year um, was very into Dadaism and um, was really encouraging artists to, in his class, to make projects based on his interests instead of exploring their individual niches as their theses. So um, what I wanted to do, I wanted to do something that was an ode to my culture and to um, kind of connect with people who are from um, minority cultures. And I was talking to my friends, Lika, about it. And I was like, I really want to do something that has like a, a slogan attached to it that's like for the culture and then like can be translated like for Spanish, Latinx communities, para la cultura and kind of thing. It kind of blends my cultures and it blends like, and I think it it speaks a lot to representation and things like that. And um, we were we were like, you know what, why not try, try to figure out how to create something 
um, based on this idea I had. And we went through a bunch of names. Um, we had like a name generator, like, you know, those things online. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I like entering culture into all of them to see what comes up. And the culture candy, like as soon as we saw it, we were like trademark it, <laughs> make it an LLC, like let's figure out how to make this thing. And so um, the culture candy initially, um, it was for pop-ups. So we, it was to kind of create this collective of um, underrepresented artists and um, have pop-ups that give them a space to showcase their work and have a voice and presence in the field. And um, things have just gotten bigger and bigger. And now we're doing bigger curations. We curate for restaurants and facilities throughout the city and in different areas. And we're actually doing a show for Art Basel. Um, we yeah, so <laughs> things are just getting bigger and bigger. And HeartCon um, is a branch of Culture Candy. Um, and it's actually, the idea is to eventually have this biennial convention, a big art convention in New York City um, and have a New York City Art Week. Yeah. Um, that's something that we don't have. So we actually started that this year. And um, yeah. It's just it's been a it's been a ride and it's going to continue to be a journey. <laughs> I I love this. I, I love hearing this Thank and uh, yeah. When you when you mentioned something is is as early on as typing it into the name generator. That is literally how Childish Gambino got named Childish Gambino. Just like yeah. I went to the Wu Tang name generator. Mine's wasn't good. It was uh, it was something like uh, painful Abbott. And I was like, I, I don't know if I want that. I don't think I want to use that for a podcast <laughs> or an alias. I can't. That, that doesn't fit on a jersey. That doesn't work. It doesn't fit on a jersey. <laughs> Speaking of Childish Gambino, we actually saw him at our we did a, a market takeover for Chelsea Market. Yeah. Um, and we actually saw him walk through our exhibit. We didn't want to bother him. So <laughs> but yeah, just because you brought it up, I just thought of that. That's that's one of that's one of my guys. Like um, I was thinking the other day of, you know, pie in the sky, and and there are a few instances, and this may be one where this interview with you may be one where sometimes you you shoot your shot and you get somebody that you're like, how the hell did that happen? And you want to be authentic and you want to be able to have that sort of conversation and connect, but you don't want to be overbearing. So I definitely. Yeah, I'm just really starting to think in those terms because you never know who is just like, oh, I can relate. Oh, hell yeah, bro. Yeah, let's do that. Let's let's get on a call. Let's talk. Let's talk. And um, and I and I think that's really important. I think people are really busy, but I think when that opportunity presents itself, just to be able to talk with other creatives, that's that's important. Um, so it brings me to this question I've been asking people, and. Before we even like dive further in it, you don't have this question, but I at least want to ask you this: um, in your experience, and you know, going to art school and being around artists and being around creatives, who, well, who are the best conversationalists amongst the different different disciplines? Like, are photographers really good? Are painters kind of like? Because I got a buddy who's a painter, and he was like, "Yeah, we might be dicks." He was like, "I'm saying it as a painter." So who are the, the people you you talk to who are artists and kind of like who has like the best conversation or what kind of conversations do you like with the artists that you're around? So there's different levels to this question a little bit. Okay. Because the first art school I went to was actually multidisciplinary in, in the sense that it was open to, um, you know, music and performing arts, um, kind of tech design, all kind of things. And I want to say in that sense, the best conversationalists um, 
were I want to say the vocal majors. Uh, they they were they were expressive enough. Where it's just like the drama majors were overwhelming. <laughs> That's Artists really funny. Very hit or miss. But in terms of a of a like today's sense, where I'm dealing with people in the um, visual art world, sure. um, it's a little hard to say because a lot of the events that we do, we have big opening nights and we do like these huge pop up events. Like we did one called the Bodega, and um, three three hundred and something people came through. <laughs> Nice. So it's just, but everyone is pretty social. Um, it is the art scene. So, you know, there are some characters, we'll say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in terms of conversation, I mean, everyone seems to have their own story. And that's the thing, too. I'm dealing with people on a networking sense. Yeah. Um, so it's like people are re- being authentic and, and sharing their story and things like that. So um it, it's hard to say like what discipline has has the better conversation. No, I dig it. I dig it, and uh, that's as a very uh, it's, it's a very en- enriched answer because it's like, oh well, what about these? But you you thought it through. So shout out to you on that. And in, in terms of going to some of these like sort of art oriented networking sort of things, uh, I, I can't wait till I'm able to kind of put together my. Um, artist aesthetic like being in that scene i want to go full walter mercado and just like have a cape on it's like what why are you dressed like that bro because it's just it's just here i'm not a brimmed hat guy i'm more of a cape guy (laughs) (laughs) i've seen a couple capes so you can make it happen (laughs) oh just look look i'm a big dude too i'm gonna go full andre leon (laughs) just like look (laughs) where is my caftan i need my caftan i need it starched um are you more interested, and I think I know the answer based on the conversation thus far, but I, I'm looking for the why here, I guess. Are you more interested in the art or the artist and why? So for me, um, my perspective is, you know, the artists create art, but, you know, art as an umbrella mm-hmm. in general, I think because it's an extension of each artist. So it's it's it shows their experience, their story you know, you know, their emotion, it really depends on the art form and what's being translated. But it's it's a kind of a difficult question. Um, because I'm more so interested in the art, my, my, I like producing art. Um, sometimes having a curation company kind of takes away from my, my um, time in terms of being able to create and I have a, a very booked schedule as an as an individual artist. So it kind of puts me on a, on a strict timeline, but I really am into the creation process and the curation as well. Um, dealing with artists in a business sense is difficult sometimes because you have a lot of different personalities and different levels of understandings of the politics in the art game. Sure. And being a company that is artists run and therefore our my priority um and my team's priority is always going to be um representing the artists as best as we can with the resources we have because um it's it's personal to us because we're in their shoes as well or we're in their shoes so um so yeah it's it's hard to say I don't know which one I care about more but I really have like a a passion and love for the whole the whole umbrella of it (laughs) No, I, no, I, I appreciate that. And again, you know, I think it's I, I, I'm I'm one of these people that looks at the broadness like 
you know, I think being able to explain and, and have like, this is my take and answers are never easy. You know what I mean? Like, oh, so what is this? There's no set answers, more than one way to get to it. And that's just that art, artistic brain work. And I think a lot of times yeah. people are creative problem solvers. And it's like, mm-hmm. eh, that's and that's why I say I want to focus on the why. Um, so tell me about a time, this sounds so like an interview interview, but tell me about a time <laughs> where like someone gave you a shot that's been very influential for you and in, in what you do today. So I want to say the most recent event that um, really gave me a shot and helped position me. So um, me, I, I, I'm a planner. So I plan my art career for the past three years, I've been planning my art career like two years ahead of like each step I want to take and how I want to produce things. <laughs> and so um, earlier this year, I took six months off of showing any work, um, even on social media, um, to produce a solo show that was going to be like all revealed on the same day. Like I had like this huge plan for it. Um, so the last show that I did before that, I really strategized on there's this artist I was following. His name is uh, Francis Gautier. Mm-hmm. And um, he has a big following in the hip hop game. And um, like there's people that are in the NBA or, you know, rappers and things like that, that go to his opening nights. Nice. And he was having a show in Brooklyn and I shot my shot. I DM'd him and I was just like, this is what my art looks like. This is my mission. And I want to know if you have room to show, like, just even if it's just one piece, can I have a piece in your upcoming show? And it was just a solo show of his. So I was being bold as is. And he was just like, "Um, you know what? I love your energy. I love everything that that you're doing. And I want you to bring like six pieces. Like I went through your page. I want you to bring like six pieces and have this whole wall and we'll do like a combination show. And I was like, and like no commission, nothing up front, anything like that. And there was um, there was people in the industry there and things like that. And um, it did get me a lot of exposure. I gained like, I want to say the week of the show, I gained like 500 followers just from for showing with him. Wow. Yeah. So um, that was a huge shot for me. Um, and that helped like, you know, he helped cross promote my um my solo show that was six months after that. And um, ever since then, like the ball has been rolled. I've been like booked on like big um, consignments and things like that. So that for me was a huge, a huge help. That's, that's great. I, I love hearing stuff like that. Like, you know, again, the theme shooting your shot, shooting your shot. Shoot shot. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's talk about like the, the, and I think there are some obvious ones, but let's talk about some of the benefits of an arts education and kind of maybe some of those lessons that you you learned that when you're in the lab and you're out there like real life, you're like, I don't know if that's how that works. <laughs> so um, the benefits of an arts education um, is definitely, I say this to artists. I know a lot of artists that went to art school and a lot of artists that did not go to art school. And sure. they all have um, a lot of, you know, the start of your career is it comes from your inner confidence and um a lot of artists ask me a lot of questions I'll just say so I you know I often find myself telling artists that are insecure or don't know if it was worth it going to art school 
or, oh, I should have went to art school. And it's just like, you know, honestly, um, art school is a lot of studying what master artists did mm-hmm. um, to be successful without under- giving an understanding of how to become a successful artist yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, in that sense, you really don't need to go to art school. You There are so many resources nowadays that you can um, kind of kind of perfect your craft and learn on your own. Um, there's masterclass. There's like all these online resources that Linda, whatever people use for whatever craft YouTube for the yeah. free. <laughs> and um, you, it, a lot of it is just practice. Like your skill will develop in the area of interest that you, that you're pursuing um, the more you practice. Yeah. And art school is interesting because, you know, the first few years you're, practicing in a bunch of different areas not one specific skill is developing except for maybe drawing and hand precision because it's I mean it's a lot of different areas you're doing color theory you're doing you know until like maybe your last year year and a half you're in one area for me I went through the same process of um literally classes in art school LaGuardia's honestly their art education was a one for, for better language, but um, <laughs> there are edu- th- through college. Like I just felt like I was repeating the same lessons, and I only pursued my my degree to be the first um, college graduate in my immediate family. So, I, but I honestly don't think you need to pursue an arts education to be an art a successful artist. Thank you. That's that's what I've been hearing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so your your work, as we touched on earlier, you know, '90s pop culture references, NYC, all of that good stuff in there, and like I, I dig it. I went through a few different things. I was like, all right, this is this makes me happy. I like this. Oh, thank How, you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Um, and 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 I think a lot of times what we kind of put in our work, those references, they kind of reveal who we are, give the the viewer maybe a peek into who we are and what we're about, or in my case, the listeners or what have you, you know, I'll make references to some of the goofiest stuff. And it's like, yeah, I did that for that 2% of people that's going to get it. So how do you embrace those qualities? Like, has it always been that way? Or is it something that you you kind of grew into? But those qualities that make you, like, unique, that make you uniquely you, Lili, uh, that kind of go into your work. So tell me about that. In a world of what's trending, right? It's really hard to be someone who's genu- genuinely interested in being a pop artist and honing in on that niche when there's a lot of... Um, product pop pop art and when I say that I mean like people are making or trying to step into the lane of pop art in order to be trending because it's such easily referenced work where you can easily gain a connected audience for me I like to phrase it as um, I create purposeful pop art and so what I mean by that is I have like a message or I have an experience or a story that I'm telling like all the work I created for retrospect were things like for example I had a photo of um Avenue D you know Smith housing the chicken spot on the corner and there was a cop there and um I did the Warner Brothers kind of intro circle and if you see a cop Warner Brother yeah. kind of 
anything. Like there's reference, there's culture, there's substance. So having substance in my pop art is important to me. Like right now, I'm ex- I um, this year I released. I have a new signature. It's a diamond. Yeah. And so that diamond is reflected of like internal richness and what's, you know, you grow up not having much and you grow up seeing the the loved ones around you and the people around you in your neighborhood kind of, you know, you're, we're still rich in something, you know, we may not have the socioeconomic riches that are, we're, we're taught to chase, but we have internal values and we're rich in culture. And that's something that I really like try to push through my pop art. So when I use like those kind of references and stuff, it's either referencing like a memory or an experience in which like all those different elements were like came together to create that kind of nostalgic feeling or representative of like the culture or like, for example, I just met, made a, um, a piece like rich in vibes and it's like, the pink panther martini glass <laughs> um, a wave like all of these different elements money but it's like you know it's like that feeling where it's just like maybe back in the day i saved up i got a dress and me and my girl saved up and we went out for like brunch or dinner and we just had rich bitch energy for the night yeah. because we had the vibes that day like it's those kind of memories that i want to translate through the art i love that Thank you. So here's the last real question I got for you. Kind of a two-parter. Tell me, well, actually, it's just one part. So tell me who are those, who or what are those sort of anti-influences, those creative energy drainers? Uh, Every now and again, I, I see it and I'm like, I need to leave the environment I'm in to maybe be enriched, to to fill that cup, to do something that is creatively regenerative. Because I, I realized I'm around those sort of like creative energy drainers or anti-influences. What did those look like for you? So I want to say those anti-influences are definitely, um, I don't know how else to phrase, phrase this, but like um, fear projectors. Mm. And I want to say that, you know, we're not taught to think too big, especially when you're from specific types of backgrounds socioeconomically Mm -hmm. we're back on that but it's it's just my truth and you know it's like this um term of starving artist is is very popular we don't have art funding in schools it's not um it's not advertised as a part of the education system for us so it's just like well you want to be an artist like you know so um projection and learning how to not accept that um is is was definitely an anti-influence for me um hence the environmental engineering (laughs) enrollment but um you know you get past that and you get through that and then as you get successful it becomes people who are not forwardly supportive or able to keep up with you know the pace that you're going at and um you know, people, people always meet you at your destination. You know, everyone has different timing. So um, I tell artists all the time, like, you really need to focus on what's driving you and your path, even if it means temporarily leaving people where they are, because we all, I mean, you know, we all have different paths, but we're all going to a, a destination 
we're all, you know, in the same society where it's like, well, we all want the bag. Let's call it yeah. the bag. Yeah. <laughs> People will get there. Like their mindset just needs to catch up and you just can't take things personal. Yeah. I, I find myself in that spot and, you know, having shifts and you have friends or people that are around that, that just aren't. And it, it's almost like it's baked in at times, this sort of like lonely thing because you're like, Oh, I'm getting friends and so on. And things just feel kind of surface level. It's like, Oh, I'm doing a show. I'm doing this event. I'm sponsoring this event and people don't, don't show up or what have you. And that's, it's, it's odd. It's an odd thing. And I find that ultimately what I'm doing or whatever I'm, I'm attempting to doing to there are so many other things that I have in my mind where someone's like, hey, write me a pitch as to what you're going to do for this grant or this. And it's like, cool, before I even get started, that's where I'm at now. So it's like, I have these ideas and they're better than what you're going to throw out. So, and because I have an, a sense of where I'm going to go and what feels interesting and trying even in doing an interview, some people will say, hey, just ask, you know, if this person's this type of artist, just have these types of, this, these questions. I'd rather have unique questions each time. Yeah, I, I rather do something that feels like is this interesting to me? It's driving from me, and if it's not, then it's like, why am I doing it? You know what I mean? And I, I think that that's an important distinction to make as to why you're doing it and where you're going. And to your point, not everybody wants to be in that same. You know, not everyone wants. To, every, not everyone wants to take the train there. Some people want to fly there. Some people don't even want to leave. Right. So with that, I want to go into these rapid fire questions. Please indulge me. These are ridiculous questions, but they're fun. They're fun questions. Uh, so, um, and brevity is key here. Don't overthink them. Don't overthink them. Don't overthink them. So here's the first one. Describe your style, however you want to frame it, in one word. Um, artsy. Okay. <laughs> like my physical style? Uh, do, do you, however, how, however you want okay. to... <laughs> uh let's see um on a friday night you are eating and drinking we i mean i go to restaurants a lot <laughs> okay you're doing very well so far okay uh now they're about to just get really weird now um actually this one's not really weird what do you think about most in the shower um to be honest with you i listen to music in the shower that's like the time for me to clear my my head <laughs> so so I'm unthinking, actually. I'm getting things out. <laughs> right. I'm unthinking. <laughs> um, okay. Now, now this is, these these last two are ridiculous. Tell me a song that is on your Ratchet or Toxic playlist. My Ratchet playlist. Um, Everyone has I, one. <laughs> I, I mean, I think a lot of my library may be considered Ratchet, to be honest. I'm a hip hop head, so it's really hard to say. Um, but I'm very, I'm known for being able to go the whole length of dreams and nightmares so that's a good one i'll i'll go with that that's a good one that's a good okay. one that's that's on my, my gym playlist it's just like oh i'm just gonna lift really heavy now right now i gotta go hard uh here's the last one uh you know you know candy bodegas top three bodega candies Ooh, top three bodega candies um sour power straws oof <laughs> that's yeah. like the top top yeah. top number one seed um, right there right um shoot i want to say is it really be those sour power straws like in all three flavors <laughs> that's a real that's answer like, 
that's my legit answer. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm here okay. for it. I mean, they're, they're fire. They're, they're fire. They never, they never miss. <laughs> they never miss. All hits. So with that, um, I want to thank you for coming on to this podcast. And I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check your workout, social media, uh, website, and all of that good stuff. And again, thank you for being on this podcast. The floor is yours. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I actually had a really good time um, with our conversation. Um, you can f- actually find me on Instagram under Lili La Cubana, L-E-E-L-E-E-L-A Cubana. <laughs> I don't want to spell that whole word out. <laughs> or LiliLaCubana.com. Well, there you have it, folks. I want to, again, thank Lili La Cubana, <laughs> Ashley, me, for coming <laughs> on to the podcast. And uh, I'm Rob Lee saying that there is culture and art in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it.